Welcome to the GC Hammer Show. I'm GC. That's Jack Hammer. Uh, Jack, good to see you. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. Um, I'm not a Niner fan, but I'm upset this morning because of what Prague Marate said. It just offended me. I'm offended. Hey, I'm offended. You. I thought- so I think we, I was like, what? So we need to talk about what he said. We got to talk about Trey Lance and Kerry Hyder and Joe Montana and Steve Young. But first, Parag, hold on, because it feels like he's leaving. I don't know. He got promoted to primary owner of a soccer team that might get relegated to the minor leagues over there. Like, they're, they're, they're not so good. On the way out, as he's patting himself on the back, he says, and I want to read the quote because it's just unreal. He says, like, we feel like we have pretty good experience in running a sports organization. We feel like we've done a pretty good job in transforming the 49ers from an asset value standpoint, commercial revenue standpoint, and on the field. We know how to transition from a lemonade stand to a more sophisticated business operation, which means that the 49ers of Bill Walsh and Eddie DeBartolo Jr. and Carmen Policy were a mere lemonade stand, even though they won five championships. And it took Parag and the Yorks and Jed to take this into the modern era. What do you think of Parag Marate's, the gall of that man, the nerve? I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, they took over the a team that, was at the time, you know, still at the pinnacle of the NFL. They ran him into the ground and immediately only recently have, yeah, immediately, almost immediately. <laughs> and, and, and since then, uh, how many Super Bowls have they won? Um, y- you know, the 49ers under the Bartolo were, were, were thought to be, they were, that was the model. That's who everybody yeah. strived to be. But, but this guy comes out and he calls him a lemonade stand just because he can push numbers around. Give me a break. Ooh. I, if, if Bill Walsh were alive, he would be very offended. Remember how uh, Jerry West took it when J.J. Reddick called people of his generation, like, you know, plumbers and whatever? He was very pissed about that. I feel like Bill Walsh would have something to say. And I feel like Eddie DeBartolo probably heard this or is going to hear this. Carmen Policy is going to hear this. And privately, privately they're going to say, really? Okay, well, let's see how many championships you win over in uh, England with Leeds United or here. Either one. I think it's funny that he talks about the Niners real quick, like they're... The Arizona Cardinals, they were just this nobody, nothing franchise, and he transformed them into this brand. Like, no, they were a brand before you got here, and you've kind of messed up the brand a little bit. If we're being honest, that's the way I look at it. I, I agree. And then here's the and here's what other thing. Just like because Marathe is held up as like this by some as this genius because he's the mm-hmm. salary cap guru. Uh, forget the fact that he does everything. Every team in the NFL has somebody that does what Marathe does. So he's nothing special. Yeah, today. But, Think of, think of it in terms of just this team now. Let's forget about what he's saying about DeBartolo, but Trent Williams is the best left tackle in the NFL. If Parag Marathe had his way two years ago, Correct. Trent Williams would be a Kansas City Chief today. It took right. somebody else getting in there to say this needs to get done for it to happen. So for this guy to be making any kind of comments like this, go go do your footy and, and hit the road because – you're not a genius. You're just a guy who pushes numbers around and, and does the same thing that 32 other guys in the NFL do. And, you know, he, he's been in the organization longer than Jed. Like, he's like the longest tenured guy here other than the parents. I think he's overstayed his welcome. And I think maybe in 2004, he was cutting edge in terms of what he could offer a franchise um, for the salary cap stuff. But now, no, I don't think so anymore. I don't think they're really going to miss him. Do you think they'll be able to replace him? Uh, what do you, who do you think? Do you think he's still going to be doing the salary cap, it seems like that's a lot for him, for a owner of a soccer team to do. I, I think he probably could, because again, this isn't, it, it probably would be better to have somebody in there that does it full time and that's all they do. But, but, you know, you, you kind of look at this job and, and it's the 49ers managed this long before Parag Marathe was ever a member of the team. I mean, they won the first Super Bowl in the salary cap era because they figured it out before everybody else. And he wasn't around in 94. So, mm-hmm. Will he stay around? I I think it would probably be best for the organization if he's going to be busy in England doing that. Let him be over there and have somebody here that you can work with full time. I don't think I said it a few minutes ago. I don't think that his job is something that requires 
you know, the biggest brainiac in the world to be able to do. I think there's there's a number of guys that are working the front offices that know how to push numbers around that can do what Marathe does. Also, doesn't it kind of seem like he, what he's saying is, sure, Bill and Joe and Jerry and Eddie, they won Super Bowls, but they were in the Stone Age when it comes to business. And it took me to come in here and bring this organization into like a Fortune 500 type of environment. I mean, that's essentially what he's saying, right? Like, he are is. you kidding? Yeah, that's that is what he's saying. And that's what he's you know, saying. The Forest made, made a lot of money under under uh, Eddie DeBarlo in that run because of the fact that they were winning. And you win in the NFL, people are going to buy your merchandise if you're winning. If you're not winning, you don't get as many people to buy. Your, and you know, there's there's certain things about it. And I will say this, that the 49ers definitely run themselves like a business with the way yeah. that they do things now. And uh, in some ways, it, it's positive for them. But in, in more ways than not, I would say it's probably negative. Yeah, I mean, they have a huge fan base because of what they did in the 80s and 90s. It feels like they're trying to take credit for the organization um, growing and in, in, in what it's worth. You know, obviously, it's worth a lot more now than it was in the 90s. But that kind of feels like Dan Snyder patting himself on the back on the way out of Washington. Like, oh, okay, I, I got forced out and I was a freaking failure and we lost more than like almost any other team. But look at how much I sold the team for. I was a huge success. Like, no, it's just you own an NFL team and the NFL is a huge success and all these guys make a lot of money. It's like, you, you'd have to really be incompetent to mess money with the 40. How do we make money with the 49ers brand? How do we sell this brand? I mean, God, how do we sell these jerseys? No one wants it. Yeah, uh -huh. abs no, you know it's absolutely. You're you're right. Even though yeah. even the worst owner in the NBA, Don was Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling. He, he, made, he made a ton of money when he sold the Clippers. Yeah, uh, and it was the Clippers, not the Lakers. The freaking Clippers. That's right. These franchises, yeah. they, they 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 make big money regardless of how you're running them, yeah. just because of what they're in. And you know, hey, remember this though too about the the Foreigners organization, right? Jed York, he's the guy who said that the Foreigners don't hang championship banners or or. Uh, division banners or conference championship banners. It's only Super Bowl banners. He's been here for a long time and uh, I don't see any banners. No banners. No banners. They got to add to those. Maybe, maybe they'll get one in uh, the English Premier League. Anyway. Yeah, well, that's not, it sounds like you said they're going to be they're they're on the uh, on the face of relegation there right there. So uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe Wrexham's going to catch him one of these days. Yeah. Okay, so Parag Marate promoted to the English Premier League. Do you think Adam Peters is going to be going to Houston? Yesterday, there was a report that if Nick Casario gets fired after the draft, Adam Peters would be going to Houston. But if you think that through, like, why would an organization let Nick Casario pick their players, then fire him, and then bring it? And then why would the Niners let Adam Peters pick their players and then let him go to another team? It seems like there's a lot of conflicts of interest there. Then you hear this news about Prague Marate getting like new job descriptions. And you're thinking, is Peters leaving or is he getting promoted? Is he going to get a new title? What do you think is going on here with Peters? Yeah, this if, if Adam Peters leave, that's that's the worst case scenario. We just talked about one guy the Foreigners could let leave today and it wouldn't affect them. Adam Peters leaving would have a major impact, I think, on this front office. I think uh, I think Peters is an, a really good talent evaluator. You look at the guys that have been brought in, especially towards the later rounds, which is more along the lines of where um, Peters and his group are starting to make the, make the choices is usually rounds four, five, six, seven. That's usually when it goes towards more towards the scoring scouting department. And he's done, they've done very well in that area. So when it comes to Adam Peters, that would be a, a huge loss. Why would they let him, you know, that's something that you see kind of around the NFL. It happens quite often, but you make a good point too. Again, I, I hate the fact that I keep having to say that you're making good points, but you do. We're going to argue later about Steve Young and Joe Montana, and it's going to get heated. <laughs> if you if you look back in 2010, right, 2010, 2011 were two of the four years' best drafts that they had. They kind of built the the Harbaugh teams, and those were teams that were drafted by somebody else. You know, one guy set up the draft board in 2010, and then somebody else made the picks. But mm -hmm. it, you know, it would I would rather I would rather if a move like this was going to be made, do it now. Do it at this point. You, you, your evaluations are mostly done. Let everybody go where they need to go, and let them start to build the teams that they're going to be with. That makes a lot of sense. I can see. Well, I can see the Niners not wanting to let Adam Peters go. I mean, it's hard to say what he does, but the way I look at it is like he's kind of the John McVay of the front office, whereas John Lynch is more the Carmen policy. Maybe I'm wrong, 
But that's kind of the way I see it. And I think if they lose Adam Peters, there's not necessarily a, you know, easy replacement. I think he's important. I think they value him. And I don't think they just, if he says, I'm going to Houston, they're going to say, well, see you later, buddy. It sounds a little, also, it sounds a little bit like an idle threat. He's from out here. Nothing against Houston, but the city. I've never actually been to Houston. Um, But it's just, it's a blank slate. Like, you're really going to leave this team that's like, you're this close to having a ring. A ring. That's a bit, that's transformative. And you're going to go to Houston? I don't see it. I feel like he wants to be a GM. John Lynch has the title. They could promote John Lynch to executive vice president or whatever. What, that, that's what Parag is. And then promote Adam Peters to GM and keep him. And then everyone's happy. I don't know. That's that's the direction that I think they should go. I, I mentioned that last yeah. night is that, you know, Lynch is more of kind of, you know, he, he gets involved with the fire, the the football stuff. So don't get me wrong there, but yeah. he's more of the, he's more of the figurehead. He's the, yeah. he's a really good speaker. He does really good. The big, big the picture. Media. Yeah. He's yeah. really good with all that stuff. So you let him move into that role, still get his hands, you know, dirty with the football stuff a little bit. You let Peters take over the GM title, do all the, you know, the down and dirty stuff, talk to the media a little bit, get, get his feet wet there. He's been doing it a little bit more recently um, as far as, you know, getting engaged with the media. So it seems like the foreigners have a really good transition here if they want to, you, you you mentioned uh, Marate leaving, so it opens up a spot. So that would be the best case scenario for the 49ers, I think. This really comes down to how much does do the Yorks want to pay, because they got they, they would have to um, approach John Lynch like, "Hey, look, this is a promotion and a raise. Okay, don't take this the wrong way. You're the vice president. You're getting a lot more money. Don't leave for Amazon, please. We want you because I I think they want him. I mean, I think he." has a, a function in this organization and then with peters that's another raise too so are you guys willing to cut the check or are you guys gonna say you're willing to cut the check but then let adam peters go to houston and say we can replace him i don't know yeah or take, let take, john lynch go back to amazon sorry yeah that's fine take yeah. take the money you're paying Prague. give that to give that and a little bit more to 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 john lynch you know Prague's gonna have his own whatever it is with leads however they pay those guys and, and just do it make it happen you, you've got you just hold the situation a bunch of money. You're not a lemonade stand. So use that money that you're making and pay your people. <laughs> yeah, you really put you painted yourself in that corner right there. Glass Half Full Guy says, why would Peters turn down other GM jobs this offseason but go be the GM of the Texans? Is it just because of D'Amico? I think it's negotiation. Like, hey, I want this promotion. I, it's like almost like a threat. I'll leave. I'll leave. But he, I, you really want to go to Houston? Like, I, eh. Doubt it. <laughs> that's right. It's like when the guys are fighting, right? And the guy's just like, come on, I'll, I'm going to get you. And he's like, hold yeah. me back. Hold me back. And that's kind hold, of hold me back. Hold me back. Thank you for holding me back. I mean, yeah. I understand D'Amico wanting to go back. He played out there. His wife might be from out there. Not sure. I think they had a family that they were building out there together. So it's home. Peter's home is out here. He's a West Coast guy. He's from out here. So I don't see him all of a sudden. This close to being a champion and a hero in, in, in his local area. He's just going to start over in Houston. Boy, that's bold. I'll yeah, see there's no no reason. He's he's a Bay Area guy too. He's he's yeah. from Cupertino, I think it is. So he's you know he's right down yeah. the street. He's basically living at back home with his parents yeah. now anyway. So just stay yeah. here, and and pay him what he what he's worth. Give him the title that he deserves, and and make your franchise better. Build it like Eddie did, where he had the best guys throughout the organization. Once you're accustomed to Bay Area weather, I don't think you can move to Houston at, in your mid 40s. That just seems like <laughs> it's too late. You're, you know, you can't. I don't know. Also, what's the Mexican food like in Houston? Oh, I, it's good. I, it's close to it's close to Mexico, but it feels like it would be a whole different thing. I don't know. Uh, I'd have good. to know before I, I move to Houston. No, I've been I've been to Houston. It's been a while, but I've been to Houston, and and the Mexican food was so good. The first night that we were there, we went back to the same place the next night. That's how good it was. I think my dad was just. I think the other part was that the, the waiter would come and he'd take your order and he wouldn't write anything down. And I think my dad was just so intrigued by that. That's always he wanted impressive. To go back and, yeah, he wanted to see if he could do it again. Yeah, that's always impressive. Well, I got to spend some time in Houston. All I know is that whenever I change planes in Houston, it could be nine in the morning, hot and muggy. I'm like sweating in the terminals. Like they don't have. But hey, you can't judge a city on its airport you really can't gary thank you so much for becoming a, a member gary van horn appreciate you that niner guy parag statement made it clear that the front office won their super bowl when they got levi's built lemonade stand won titles with great player uh not was wasted hall of talent like they did from 2010 on can i want to make one more point about the lemonade stand i want to come back to the lemonade stand uh 
so yeah, they're really proud that they made Levi Stadium, but now they have to borrow $120 million from the league to renovate it because it's not nice enough to get another Super Bowl. Round of applause to, Le to Parag Marate for being so far ahead of the rest of the league. That's embarrassing. Talk about a hey, lemonade that, stand. It's impressive that they were able to get the NFL to pay for those, those, those upgrades, too. That's the other part of it, though. Okay, so yesterday when the news came out about Adam Peters potentially going to Houston, easy um, dots to connect where, oh, boom, there's where, that's where Trey Lance is going to go because Adam Peters probably really liked Trey Lance. Adam Peters was the one who was banging the table because Adam Peters is right about everything, and he's the good guy. Um, so that's where Trey Lance is going to go. But then the more I think about it, no one really in this organization has wrapped their arms around Trey Lance, uh, you know, verbally in any sort of way publicly since he's been here. And I keep going back to why is he here? Whose bright idea was the Trey Lance project that no one really wanted to do once he got here? And I keep going back to his initial pro day. He had a pro day. This was during the pandemic. There was no combine. The Niners weren't there. They didn't have that third pick. But someone was there. Do you remember who it was? His name is in the ticker. <laughs> <laughs> Give it away. Yeah. Mike Shanahan was there. And I can't help but think that all of a sudden, after that happened, the Niners moved up. They, all the, the events took place. But there was confusion who they were going to take. Even in the organization, it seemed like people didn't know. Was it possible that Mike was like, hey, Kyle, this guy's great. And that was their secret. And eventually, Kyle and Mike made their pick. I'm starting to feel like that's my conspiracy theory here. What do you think? I could see that, yeah, because the day the day that uh, that Lance had that initial pro day and Shanahan was out in North Dakota, Lynch and and Peters were in Stanford watching uh, Davis Mills pro day. That and, and I, I noted that on Twitter. It's funny because after all the stuff started coming out yesterday, all of a sudden that tweet started uh -huh. getting retweeted by a bunch of people out in Houston. And so, uh -huh. yeah, I could see this. You know, Mike Shanahan, I could see him liking Trey Lance. He was a big fan of of uh jay cutler back in the day similar type of stuff so i could see him making a making a move for trey lance and wanting to, to go in that direction absolutely what was he doing at a pro day he's in his 70s he lives in denver or whatever he just happened to be in north dakota like what are you doing out there i'm telling you it feels like he's an unofficial member of the 49ers and it must be weird to be john lynch or Adam Peters, or anyone in that organization to think you have made a decision and you think you know what you're going to do when you know at any given time Mike Shanahan could text his son and those two could make their own plan. And that's just what, what the direction you're going to go. It must be kind of weird. Like, is he on the team? Does he, does he have an office in the organization? Have I heard that? That they like hold an office for him for when he's in town and he can... Am I, did I make that up? I, I got to check that one. No, I don't think you're making it up. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've heard that. I that think he, he has a freaking office. That, that he has an office that he comes in and he talks to the guys and all that kind of stuff. And he's watching film and, and you know. So he's not really guys. accountable. Like he can give, he can give suggestions, but when it doesn't, when it blows up, it's like, well, who do we fire? Can't fire Mike. He's not even on the team. That's right. And say, so, you know, while, yeah. while, when, when the stuff is the fans in Mexico and Cabo already waiting for everybody else to show up. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Hey, you shouldn't listen to me. I've, what are you talking about? I was just trying to help. <laughs> yeah. He didn't yeah. have to take my advice. Who do, who That's do scary, know? though. If Mike Shanahan was the reason this guy got drafted, then he has no allies anymore. There's no ally in Houston. There's no ally in Tennessee. There's no ally in Washington or New York or Miami. Like, it doesn't... Who likes Trey Lance? This is scary, man. They The Niners really, really didn't need to do this to him. <laughs> Why did you do this to him? It's too bad. Because now, teams are looking at him like, I don't know, three years on the bench? Ugh. You might be yeah. ruined, and he might be. He might be. I don't know. I don't. He's he's working out with with Patrick Mahomes. What are you talking about? He's he's ready to go. He's going to break out. What are you talking about? He's working with. Let's the talk best about it right best. now. Let's talk about it right now. Trey Lance working out with Patrick Mahomes. God love Trey Lance. He seems like an earnest fella. He knows what he needs to work on. He works on it. But let's step back for a second. I mean, we want to be positive. He's doing the right things, but frankly. They drafted him two years ago. They sat him for a year. The reason they sat him for a year was because they knew they needed to change his throwing mechanics. And the idea was why don't they why, give him time to let those new mechanics get ingrained so he doesn't have to play and look wonky that first year. That was the plan. It didn't work. That second year, he was throwing like the first year. 
And now it's year three and I'm looking at stuff and it's like, God love you, man. You're working your butt off, but it still looks the same to me. And I'm starting to wonder, you know, I mean, it's really hard to change your throwing mechanics. Is all this stuff in vain? Is he, is he just never going to be that high level thrower or are, are you encouraged? It's, it's cool that he's working out, right? I mean, that's the one thing you can say about Trey Lance is that Trey Lance works out like crazy. His, whoever his, his business partners are, they do a great hyping him up because this is every year since he got drafted, he's been in his workouts have been something that's been put out there on sure. the regular, even before the draft. And so, you know, it's, you, you see it out and, but it's good that he's working. I mean, and I agree with oh, yeah. you, you know, I've seen the tweets about, Oh, look how much better, look how much tighter his throwing motion is. Look at, I'm sorry. I don't see it. I don't see it at all. The only thing that I see. I'm looking at his, I'm looking at his lower legs. I'm his lower body. And I see the same thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I do too. I see, I see the same thing in the lower body. The only thing that I notice is different is that instead of holding the ball here, he's holding it down a little bit lower, but he's still bringing it up to the same point before he throws it. His, the coach that he's working with basically came out and said, you're wrong. We haven't worked on tightening up his throwing motion. We're working on his legs and and getting the full extension. Extension. Uh Yeah. And so, You know, it, it is what it is. And the whole thing with, with Trey and where he's going is he needs to be consistent. He needs to be able to show that right. he can hit targets over and over and over again. Right. And so if that's if he comes out and he's able to do that this year, that's great. But he hasn't shown it yet. And from what we've seen on the film, that we the, the few throws that we've seen, I think we've seen like five throws. You know, one of them was behind the guy. It wasn't yeah. even on target. It was still not a good throw. So we'll find out, you know, it, Trey Lance is the next thing with Trey Lance. If he's still with the 49ers is going to be OTAs in training camp. And can he do the job to, you know, to, can he beat out Sam Darnold? Can he beat out Brock Purdy? And, um, you know, it, I, 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 it's positive to me that he's working. It's positive that he's working with with Patrick Mahomes. But other than that, I'm just I'm kind of over the hype of it. It's it's show me what you can do. Don't don't just tell me how great it is. I want to see it and I want to see it over and over and over again. Because that's what the forty. Also, I want. think with, with with him, he needs to focus more on the process than than the results. Like forget about training camp and competing with Sam Darnold and like you need to work on these mechanics. It's all about ingraining these mechanics down. Because if you come out. And you're throwing the same way in camp. It doesn't really matter what your numbers are, or what you do against Darn. Like it's not, you're not going to work out. You need to improve this right now. Your whole career depends on it. So Absolutely. what he, what his issue right now is, his arm is providing the power and the accuracy. He needs to, he needs to let his lower body provide the power, because unless he, until he does that, he's going to be scattershot as a thrower. Your arm is supposed to be along for the ride. It's guiding the ball. If you're also pushing the ball to, to create velocity and torque, like you're never going to be a guy who completes 69, 70% of his throws. That's just the way it is. And the best throwers in the league have strong arms, but don't necessarily have to use it. They use their whole body, like Herbert, Allen, mm. Mahomes. That's the way it is. Yeah, I, I've heard, I've been heard what you've been saying about it. And I, I, I think you've been right on the money with everything you're saying. It's, it's funny because you look at the video from, from, um, the workout in, in, in Texas that he's taking doing mm-hmm. now where he throws the deeper ball, you know, it's the five step, the hitch and the throw. Right. And you compare that to the throw that a similar drop and throw from his pro day. And what you're talking about is that left, that front leg and that front knee being bent. If you look yeah. at the throw that he makes in the pro day, it's exactly what you're talking about. His, his, yeah. his left knee is bent. It looks exactly like, like what you're saying. And you compare that to where he is now and it's actually gotten worse. So it, it's interesting, the, the whole process of Trey Lance here. And, and I agree with you. He needs to be better with his lower half and that's going to drive the rest. That's what, that's what Kyle Shanahan says. How many times have we heard Kyle Shanahan talk about the feet driving everything? How many times did we hear Bill Walsh talk about yeah. how footwork drives everything with quarterbacks and we all talk about the big arm but the big arm comes from everything else and i don't know why he does it like why are you throwing with that two by four up your crotch like why are you slamming on the brakes with your lower body before your arm even gets to your ear and it's like i don't know i played jv baseball growing up i'm not a great athlete i played 10 years of baseball and i was so bad at baseball that i my arm hurt a lot and I remember when it was hurting, I was 14, 15, 16, and I was trying to stay on the team at O'Dowd. You would do things 
you know, you would, you would start throwing with bad habits because you, you knew the pain was coming. And one thing you do is throw with a cro- th- uh, throw crossfire. You step to third base or you have that front leg extended because you're afraid it's going to hurt. You're afraid it's going to hurt. And I think subconsciously you're trying to slow your arm down, even though if you have a free and easy natural throw, it's, it just whips right through and it doesn't hurt. So I don't know. Maybe he's talked about arm fatigue. Maybe there's been some soreness with him. He has a very violent uh, motion. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We heard, we heard all that discussion last year, right? About the arm fatigue that he dealt with the, the first year and everybody kind of just put it off and said it had to do with the hand and, or the finger. And maybe it had a little bit to do with that, but I think you're onto something there too. I he'd watch him throw and he, everything's a hard ball, right? He doesn't really throw a touch. I think that's the biggest difference between Lance and even a guy like Mahomes or a guy like hard. Ellen. Mahomes, it, Mahomes throws a touch. Yeah. Yeah, every everything yeah. that everything that Lance throws is coming out at the same speed, and so and it's like you said, it's, it's violent, and uh, that can that can definitely start to wear on you. I I'm an old man, so it's different for me. I went out and was throwing the ball around with my son the other day because he's wanting to be a quarterback, and so we're out working on stuff. And I threw the ball around for 45 minutes, and my shoulder felt like it was going to fall off that night. Yeah. So you know, and and that was when I started to try to throw the ball hard. And again, I'm old though, so it's different for me. But the the more violent you're throwing the ball, the more work that your body's going through. Yes. Um, I just, I guess in retrospect, the Niners, I think they understood the issue with the throwing mechanics. I mean, they're not idiots. It's on film. I think they understood it. But in retrospect, year one, the quarterback coach was Rich Scangarello. How good is he? Was he even bought in? I mean, did he even know he was going to be working with Trey Lance until they drafted him? And then he's gone. Year two, Shane Day, new quarterback coach. You know, like, oh, oh, oh am I wrong? I, did I get that right? There was there was like a new quarterback coach every year, right? He had uh, he had Scangarello, Scangarello, he, and then he had Greasy, and then Greasy came in. He missed Shane. And, Day. Yeah, he, he missed, missed Shane. He missed Day. Day. But it's yeah, like but, if they if if quarterback mechanics mattered and the quarterback coach mattered, well, like they didn't really get that guy right away, Scangarello. Yeah. And I don't think Scangarello knows knew based on you know like what you were saying earlier. I don't think anybody in the organization other than than really probably uh, Lynch and. Shanahan knew who the co- that pick was going to be. I think everybody else they gave their input, but then when the pick was made, that's when they found out who the guy was, who it was. Right. I, I'm sure Kyle eventually told Scangarello, "Hey, guess what? You're going to be coaching Trey Lance." And Scangarello was like, "Hey, you didn't want my input on this. You didn't. You didn't think to ask me. Like, you could have asked me, hey, Rich, do you think you can fix Trey Lance's mechanics? I could have told you no. I could have said straight up no, but you didn't ask me. I mean, it feel like that kind of situation where he's like begrudgingly coaching someone." And then he gets fired or whatever. And he's like, well, I was not part of this. No one asked me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you just you just threw him on top. You just threw him on me. I got stuck with I him. thought we were going to work with Mac Jones. All of a sudden, you give me Trey Lance. And it's like, look, for the Trey Lance thing to work with the Niners, you have to have the quarterback coach bought in confident that he can do this because Kyle's not going to be the one coaching him on that stuff. No. Yeah. No, he doesn't. They don't have time. And even Skankarella, to a certain extent, doesn't have the time. That's what True. that whole, that's what, and, and Shanahan said this, which I think is, is when you talk about Lance and the foreigners thinking they're going to have to rebuild his throwing motion or what have you, Shanahan said this a couple of times where, you know, they don't have time to, to sit there and really do all that. That's for the guys to figure out when they're working with their, with their own quarterback coach in the off season. By the time they get in here, then it's just, you know, putting together the game plan, getting them the, the system input and those types of things. So the whole, the whole Lance experiment, I think has been a, a tough one for the 49ers. I mean, it just, it just underscores that if you're going to take on a big project, you really got to be confident and, and go all in with it. And it seemed like from, from the initial press conference, the Niners never really showed that much confidence in their move. They always kind of acted like, boy, we got really drunk last night and did something that we, we regret. And uh, we're, we got a lot of tattoos and we can't really take this back, but um, we're going to sort of sit here and act like it's all good. But really, we got, we got married last night and we got tattoos and uh, we don't remember any of it. It's like the hangover. Like literally, it's been a two two year hangover. What happened? That's been their attitude. Yes, yeah, so what, what you're saying is Shanahan showed up. Shanahan showed up on Shanahan showed up on Friday morning with the uh, Tyson tattoo and yeah, then tried to absolutely take, the, take an off real quick and just sitting there with a, with a straight face in the press conference. Like, yeah, this is what we wanted to do. We, this was the, the direction we wanted to go with my face, Tyson tattoo. All right.
Breaking news. Breaking news. The 49ers have re-signed Kerry Hyder. I feel like they've signed him 11 times. He's a hell of a backup defensive player. Gives a lot of effort. Knows the system. Um, I think it's a nice... I mean, he's in his mid-30s. I would have preferred the Niners to re-sign Jordan Willis, but I'm not mad at this move. He seems like he's like the new Dante Johnson, where he's got an honorary spot of the team for the next five, six years. So, Kerry, come on down. Good to see you again. How do you feel about this? It's a it's a good signing. Hyder uh, gives them versatility, which is what they really like there. He can play inside, outside, um, and he's he's always in his career. He's always done well when he's played with uh, under Chris Kosarik. So I think from that standpoint, uh, it's good as well. And he's going to be on the cheaper end, so you get a veteran guy that you know can put up numbers in your system, and he can play a couple different roles for you if need be. Uh, it's a good signing for the 49ers. Will he make it to the final roster? I, I think he's going to be one of those guys that's right there towards the end of it. Yeah, this is bad news for like Austin Bryant because that's a guy who hasn't really shown very much in the NFL. And say what you want about Kerry Hyder as an athlete. Like we know he can produce on this team. So Austin Bryant's going to have to show something at some point. This is good because I was afraid that a, a stiff like that was just going to get handed a, a roster spot on a team that's supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. Like Austin Bryant should have to freaking earn it. This, these are the 49ers and beat out Kerry Hyder. Not easier said than done. It is. Yeah. Hyder's Hyder's a, a good player. He, he, you know, eight and a half sacks in 2020 when he, he led replaced. them in, in sacks two, three years ago. That's right. When he, when he had, yeah. when, uh, when Bosa went down, he had eight and a half sacks, led him in sacks. And uh, you know, it's, he doesn't get those kind of snaps, but he, he plays a good role for the 49ers. So that it's good to have them bring a player like this back. And I agree with you though, too. I, I Willis would have been nice because he does special teams a little better and stuff like that. But Hyder's a good pick. Hyder's a strange player in the sense that it seems like he doesn't produce unless he's with Chris Kosarik. Like, he got a sizable, not a, a significant contract, a multi-year contract from Seattle. Flopped. They were like, we can't use you. Comes back to the Niners immediately, functional. Like, uh, why? Why is he non-functional anywhere else? I don't get it. Yeah, it's happened twice to him because he, he, yeah. he had eight sacks under uh, Kosarik in Detroit. Detroit left left for free agency, went to went to Dallas, stunk there, and then that's how he ended up back with the 49ers. But yeah, it's you know that's the thing, right? Chris Kosarik has the ability to just bring out the best in these, and I think some of it has to do with the system. It doesn't ask them yeah. to be to Reading, it asks them, allows them to yeah. Right, yeah. just just get after it, which makes it a little bit right. easier. It's you know, so keep it simple, stupid kind of stuff, right? Not not saying they're stupid, yeah. but just you simplify the the what team what players have to do, and everybody can play faster. And I think that helps Hyder. Yeah, it's the kiss principle, K I S S. Keep it simple, stupid. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, okay. Free agency is mostly over. The Niners could make another move in the next few weeks, sure. Uh, but probably they're mostly done. Draft's coming up, but they have a lot of late picks. I mean, maybe one or two of those guys will make a big impact year one. Maybe not. Those are kind of like for the future. So this is the roster. They've been together years. This is a, a core that is very tight. They know how to play. They know what they want to do. Um, would you consider this team... Super Bowl winners. Like, do you see them winning the Super Bowl as currently constructed? This is the team they want. This is it. You you look at the 49ers and they have a Super Bowl winning roster, right? They fifth you look at their their 53 man roster, what it should look like, and they 50 of those guys are capable of taking them to the Super Bowl. It's the three that may not. And that's the reason I say three is I'm saying there's three quarterbacks on the final roster. And I do think they have the Super Bowl winning roster. I just don't know if they have the quarterback to get them over the top. And we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen with Brock Purdy. We, we know he played at a very high level. I think they would have had a chance with him last year if he had stayed healthy, but we don't know if he's going to be healthy. And if he's not there, you, then you're down with it to Sam Darnold and, and Trey Lance, two guys who never have shown the ability to do it. And so I say the answer to this right now is no. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me that probably teams around the league are looking at the Niners as a, um, weaker than they've been in a while because no one's really scared of Jimmy Garoppolo, but you know what the Niners are with Jimmy Garoppolo. They're a team that's going to win 70% of their games and be in the playoffs. Like this, year, you don't really know what the Niners are going to be this year, but you have no idea what Brock's going to be. Trey could or may or may not be on the team. Sam Darnold could be the next Alex Smith, or he could just keep being Sam Darnold. You know what I'm saying? Like 
This is a team that could actually be eight and nine just because of those three players, despite the fact that the rest of the roster is so good, except for right tackle. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you look at this and the defense is better than they were last year. It, I, I think right now their defense is better than they were. I, I do, you know, I think you from a Hargraves is a big upgrade. Yes, that's Hargraves that's what I'm, I think for sure. Hargraves is sure. Hargrave is a big upgrade, and yeah. even Drake Jackson. If Drake Jackson just goes out and plays exactly what he did last year, the defensive front is getting you more sacks than they got last year. If everybody just produces what they did a year ago, and I don't think Eric Armstead is going to have zero sacks again. So I wouldn't. Think I think so you. Yeah, you get a better. A well, better what scares me about life. him is you know plantar fasciitis when you get in your thirties. Like that's the kind of thing that can keep uh, popping up. So he was never healthy last year. I, he just needs to be healthy. Yeah, and when when he yeah. came back towards the end of the season, he he didn't he got sacks in the in the playoffs, but in the regular season he didn't get any sacks. But he created a couple of turnovers, and then he did he get, get sacks in, in the playoffs. He's actually a monster in the playoffs. Yeah, I, well, you he, know, I, I have a theory about Eric Armstead. Paces himself. That? Paces himself. I'm telling you, Eric Armstead. When he turns it on, best player on the, on the field. But that, you know, he's 30 now. It's, it's fewer and far between. But in the playoffs, except for that one moment when he could have sacked Dak Prescott but didn't. But that didn't really hurt the Niners. It was just embarrassing for him. It didn't hurt the Niners because the game was over. But it was embarrassing for him. Sorry, Eric. Yeah. for him <laughs> <laughs> but i think I, I think i think the roster as a whole you know you the, the secondary i think is better i, I do think isaiah oliver is going to be a better cover corner in the slot than than jimmy ward now is he going to be jimmy ward his his ability to, to to stop the run and really be kind of like a quasi linebacker really helped them out so i just think this defense and the, you're, you're right the right tackle is a question mark but they've shown that they can win with with below yes, they have below they, have. Half, you know, below they can win regular season game. games Big well, time. they showed that they could win playoff games. They didn't show they could win a championship yeah. game, but they showed yeah. they could win playoff games. But yeah. the quarterback, it just go back to the quarterback. And I, I, I feel like if the 49ers had kept Purdy healthy and they beat Philadelphia in the in the championship game, I think they could have played with Kansas City because they played with Kansas offensively. They moved the ball very well against Kansas City the first time around with Garoppolo. Right? They 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 were going punch for punch with them. They. And, mm-hmm. and it's the, the stupid interception, you know, really. And there were some things that kind of – they just couldn't make a stop. Their defense couldn't get a stop in that game. So At all. Uh, that, that's the difference. Yeah. Was, and, and also, the they, they weren't as good in the red zone with Jimmy as they were with Brock. Brock. All of a sudden, they were scoring more touchdowns with Brock. Maybe they maybe – they, but it seemed like part of the reason that um, Philly struggled, their defense struggled in the Super Bowl, is they couldn't stop the run. And it allowed Kansas City to be balanced. And I don't know, Kinlaw really struggled in the NFC t- uh, championship game. He probably would have – Creed Humphrey's really good. Tony's really good. Like they, the Niners' deep run defense might have struggled as well. But anyway, I, I just, I just, yeah, I just look at it. And I look, I look kind of. I'm basing it off of their the one time they played each other earlier yeah, in the true. season, and I think that they could have. Yeah. I think they would have been right there. Now, would they have one game? I don't know. I think, I think you can see Purdy possibly leading them there if he's if he's healthy. But it's a, it's all a question mark. I think so when you when you look at this. Uh, the 49er fans are going to get angry when you say that the 49ers aren't going to win the Super Bowl because of the quarterback. But if if you're talking to a guy that's a you know a fan of another team or a sports writer from another team, they're going to tell you the same thing. Be like, who's the quarterback? Who, who who's playing? Yeah. Who's throwing the ball? That's the biggest position in the NFL. And you yeah. don't know. <laughs> and and gonna, Niner fans are so Super dismissive. Bowl, you don't even know who your quarterback is. Yeah, Niner fans are so dismissive of like Seattle. But I think Seattle fans would look at the Niners like, okay, like you're so confident in Brock Purdy, you sure? Like we'd rather have Geno Smith right now. Are you kidding? You know, I think Detroit would rather have hey, at least they, Jared Goff. You know, yeah. At least and they again, know these who teams aren't done. They have a yeah. Sorry. No, yeah. you're fine. I, I interrupted you. No, I think we were just like there was like a delay or something. But yeah, I mean, are the are the Niners Super Bowl winners? I don't know. I feel like this is a team that could definitely lose in the NFC Championship game for the third year in a row. I feel like they could do it. Yeah. I'm sorry. They, they could be maybe they, they could be the Bills, but except, instead of losing, you know, four Super Bowls in a row, it's the <laughs> NFC Championship game. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Let's let's switch it up a little bit. Oh, I is- think. Oh, yeah, I brought this up last week. I said that. If Steve Young played today, he might be the greatest quarterback of all time. And you said, well, what about Joe? That's a good point. I think it would be fun discussing, like, who would be better today, Joe or Steve? I think it's fair to say both would be better than they were. 
because it's easier to play quarterback now. I mean, you're more protected. Uh, you can run around more. I feel like you got to get the ball out of your hands quicker, but at the same time, if they touch you low, if they touch you high, I mean, it's a penalty. There are a lot of things in your favor, and numbers are through the roof. So what do you think that the current rules would favor more? Who do you think the current rules would favor more, Joe or Steve? And why is it Steve? <laughs> See, okay. So before we start, I want to say this because I, I I know that I'm not the biggest Steve Young guy, but I do have a lot of respect for him. The guy was a the guy's in the Hall of Fame. Steve Young's in the yes. Hall of Fame. So we're not. I'm yes. not saying that Steve Young stinks. I'm not saying anything negative about Steve Young. But I'm sure that that's clear. <laughs> exactly. Okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Big. Yeah. All right. It, it, Montana was the best of their era. They pretty much they played in the same era. You know, there's only a, a few years that separated. So for the most of their most most of it they were together. Montana was better than Young. And Montana under today's rules, he would make what Tom Brady did I think look pedestrian because he was doing it at a time when you could just blow these guys up. And I think it's important too to remember that the only reason Steve Young was here the only reason he was a 49er was because Montana took so many hits and he had a back injury in 1986. And that's True. what led to, to Walsh going ahead and making the pulling the trigger to bring Young over because he didn't think that he was going to be able to stay healthy and he didn't think he was going to have the legs. I think the biggest thing is, and I understand like if you're somebody who didn't really watch all of Joe Montana's career, I can understand why you would say Steve would be better now because of the because of his legs. But if you watch Joe Montana in 1981 and 80 through 84, before the, the back injury, even after, the, especially early on, though, he does everything. He, right. Joe Montana, in yes. some ways, he makes plays that Patrick Mahomes makes now. I mean, yes. There's yes, there's stuff all over yes. all over the place that you can see of him. So that's why I think that Montana would be better. One last point. And sure. Steve Young himself said that he talked, he's, you know, he's still in, around the game. So he does the, the games and he talks to Tom Brady all the time. And he talks about, I've heard him talk on the radio several times about the conversations with, with Tom Brady and how Steve feels like because of the rules favor the quarterback so much now that he feels like he could come back and play today because yeah. as long as you know how to get rid of the football and you know where the guys are, the yeah. flats are what his, I guess what he said was that what Brady told him is Steve, the, the flats are always open. It's always yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. So yeah, I, if, if Tom Brady could blow the league away, like he did at 43, where he couldn't move in today's day and age, if Montana was around, I just, I think that he would, you know, just, even though he's not, he, he was never quite Steve Young as a runner. Like I think some of the reason he, you didn't see him was because he was able to deliver the ball before he had to take off running and, all those types of things. Well, Steve was Steve was built like a running back, and he was, he I was. mean, he could do it, and it led to, it. he actually brought some of that contact on himself. Mm -hmm. let me, okay, so you made a great argument for why Joe would be even more dangerous today, and I totally agree with everything you said. Now, let me make the argument for Steve. Steve, the thing about Steve that's interesting, and again, I didn't, I didn't watch Joe growing up, but I'm just looking at, at stats. Uh -huh. Steve's regular season numbers are better than Joe's, just like across mm -hmm. the board, from completion percentage, yards per attempt, uh, quarterback rating. So if he played today, his numbers, Steve, Steve's, can you imagine how good Steve's numbers would be? He'd complete 75% of his throws. He'd run for like 800 yards a year. He, it would be unreal. Now, the thing about Joe, like his legacy is kind of like Michael Jordan's. Like you got to look at the playoffs for Joe. He was like 16 and seven in the playoffs. His quarterback rating went up. Steve wasn't like that. Steve was more like 500 in the playoffs. His quarterback rating went down. So I don't know, maybe there was something fundamentally not cool about Steve and he got tight in those games and that would carry over today. I don't know. All I'm saying is if he played today, his numbers would be unfreaking believable. They they might be better than Patrick Mahomes' numbers when you factor in the rushing too. Because the, the the passing efficiency was always there for Steve in the regular season. Yeah, though, and they were. And I think the I think another thing that I would say about that is that Steve Young played his entire career, at least with the 49ers with Jerry Rice. Jerry sure. Rice was there with him the That's entire true. time. That's Montana true. didn't have Rice. He didn't he, he was working, you know. He had Dwight Clark and Freddie Solomon, two really good receivers in their own right, but that's not they're not Jerry Rice. Yeah, Roger Craig. But not not the whole time. But he did have Roger yeah. Craig. Yeah, he didn't have, you yeah. know, Roger Craig. Yeah. John Taylor kind of came along towards the end of Montana's 
you know, the three best years of Montana, I think, were at the, at the end of the line, 88, 89, 90. Those were with with Taylor and that whole group that you're just talking about. Um, yeah. See, I think I think by the time Young came around, the talent around the quarterback position in San Francisco was even better. The early years in 81 and 84, when they won the, those Super Bowls, you look at those defense. Those defenses were dynamite. All the every, crazy, yeah, yeah. Even in eighty nine, even in eighty eight and eighty nine, they were really good. But they were really good the first couple of years. That's why they were able to go out and, and beat yeah. up on you know, and stuff. But like they that. didn't have a ton on offense. Dwight Clark to me was like original George Kittle. He was a lot of fun to watch. I know he wasn't as big as George Kittle, but he could kind of move and catch like Kittle. Yeah, that's that's actually a good point because he wasn't the fastest yeah. guy, right? He was just no. a guy who would, could get open and he could he could. Yeah you know, just had the way of, of making people miss. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's a, that was a good one. Um, and Freddie Solomon was more of the, the speed guy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the way I saw it is yes. Uh, Steve always had Jerry, but Steve didn't always have a running back. Like those first couple of years, they, they took a, a while to transition away from Roger Craig and Rathman. And when they finally got Ricky waters and William Floyd super bowl. And then, they lost Ricky Waters, and it took them a couple years, and they brought in Garrison Hurst, and all of a sudden, it looked like they were back, and then Garrison Hurst broke his ankle, and then Steve Young got concussed, and it, it was over. But mm-hmm. I, it would have been, in retrospect, if Steve could have had a, a Roger Craig, that would have been fun. And also, if Steve t- were playing today, if he were on a team like Philly, I bring them up in every fring, freaking team, uh, stream, I'm sorry, but if you put him in Philly, he could have played in his 20s. He could have been, He could have been pretty good. So, yeah, maybe Joe would have been better than Steve, but... They might have been the two greatest quarterbacks in the league right now, them and Mahomes. Oh, that they would be both of these yeah. guys. It's it's amazing the run that the Fortnite's had from from eighty one till to ninety eight with the quarterback position. It was just so good. They were just so lucky to to have that. It was kind of like what the what the Patriots had with with Brady, where they had one guy do it, but the Fortnite's had two. It was. Well, I was going to compare it to the Packers with Favre and Rodgers. What do you think is a better yeah. one two um, history? Uh, Montana to Young or Favre to Rogers? Well, you, you have to say I would say Montana to Young because you had yeah you had five Super Bowls in that group right to, to two. You know I, I really like right. I, you know Aaron Rodgers is a heck of a quarterback, but there you know I, I see people saying like, arguing about whether he's a top five all time quarterback or whatever. He's not a top five all time quarterback. He's no, a really in the regular season. In the yeah, regular he, season. He's a really, he's a, he is a, he is a top level quarterback. He is one of the best of this generation and you'd probably be in that, but to say he's a top five guy, no, he's not a top five guy. He's going to make it to the hall of fame someday, but he's not a top five all time quarterback. No, I think the thing with him is you could argue he's the most talented thrower ever. Maybe one of them, but mm-hmm. he's definitely not the best competitor ever at quarterback. He definitely seems like his number one goal is to win the MVP, not the Super Bowl. That's the way I've always looked at him. Yeah, I, I see that. He, I mean, he wants it, it's he's just unfortunately falls apart in the, in the in the playoffs, and that happened with Brett Favre as well, and it happened with with a number of guys. I just uh, again a lot of respect yeah. for Aaron Rodgers, but I just I'm not putting him up in, in the top five. That's for sure. Like, and everyone makes excuses for him when he loses his playoff game. Remember, like four or five years ago when he lost to the Seahawks, and this they were killing the Seahawks, and the Seahawks came all the way back, and there was eventually an onside kick where the, someone on Green Bay messed it up. And they blamed him, not Aaron Rodgers, for losing that game. It was like he always escaped these criticisms, but he lost some. It's like he vented some ways to lose some playoff games. I, I don't think he has much. He has one Super Bowl. That's great, man. A lot of guys have won Super Bowl. Jeff Hostetler won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl didn't he? Jeff Hostetler did. He beat the 49ers yeah. in the in the playoff in the when the that's, right. that's the other thing too when you look at Montana and Young, right? I've seen people say, "Well, but Montana never played against anybody like the Cowboys. He didn't have oh, Come on, man. The the Giants Bears. of the, the Giants of the the yeah. Giants of the 80s had Bill Parcells as our head coach and Bill Belichick, Belichick. as a defensive coordinator. And and, and they uh, gave the, Lawrence T- Lawrence Taylor <laughs> yeah, Lawrence did Jim, Jim Burt blowing up. You know that the, yeah. those Giants teams were every bit as good, if not better, than the than the Cowboys teams, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And also the Chicago that, Bears, the Chicago Bears, the Washington teams under Joe Gibbs were the Washington always, teams. There was yes the, the, the three the titles. NFC, the NFC during that time period as a whole was extremely good. And in the early nineties, when it was just the Niners and the Cowboys, it was just a, a, just a, it was two teams that were way better than everybody else at that point. The Cowboys were very, very, very good though. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Like the, and the, I, the, I, I think the difference, again, was the running back spot. The one team had freaking Emmett Smith. The other team had Steve Young scrambling around. You know what I mean? He needed a little help, I thought. But I was yeah. only four. Well, then. <laughs> a long time ago. You got to get, you got to be better than that, Grant. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I should have had, had my YouTube channel your... in 1992. I should have been telling him. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Trey Lance is on the team for now. Draft is in like two weeks. You know, now that we kind of sort of agree that probably the reason Trey Lance is on this team to begin with is that Mike Shanahan had a bright idea two years ago when he was hanging out in North Dakota, makes me feel like I don't know if this trade market exists for Trey Lance. I guess that's the final thing I want to say. I don't know that there's any team that wants to give the Niners a second round pick or even a third for Trey Lance, considering they don't know him. And if so many people in the, in the Niners organization are saying we don't believe in him, Who's going to call the Niners bluff on that? Who's going to say the Niners are wrong? I mean, aren't they an ex- a respected group? I think they are. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I just don't see it happening. But, but maybe there's a, you know, the kind of the, the teams that everybody points to are, are the teams that have guys that used to work with the 49ers, right? That's the only people that, that might want to pull the trigger. And, I don't think that he's going to get traded before the draft. I just don't. I think the Farmers are going to hold on to him through the draft. I think if, if Lance gets traded, it's going to be in training camp, towards the end of training camp or around the, the trade deadline, somewhere around there, depending on what they do, you know, what depending on what happens with Purdy and, and what happens with Darnold and who they bring in. That's the only way that I see him getting traded. It's going to be later on. It makes financial sense for him too. If I'm right that Mike Shanahan was the spark plug to draft Trey Lance after he was the one guy at the Pro Bowl, I wonder how he he feels about Lance now. Like he did he change his mind? Does he still believe in Lance? Does he did he convince himself that he was not the person that wanted? Like I'd love to know, but I mean, there's a lot of I, I don't know any. Of that. That's all speculation. But Mike, thank you. I'm sure Kyle texts him every day. Dad, thanks a lot. Appreciate that one. It was helpful. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna. Hey, but they they haven't taken away his office. He still has the office, and they haven't moved it. You know, he still has a stapler in his office, from what I understand. So until they start moving his office around, he's he's okay in Santa Clara. I feel like this was again like I probably Mike called up Kyle seven years ago and was like, forget this Patrick Mahomes guy, Bobby Bethard's kid, grandson, <laughs> CJ, that guy. No one knows about him, but I'm telling you. And Kyle's like, thanks, Dad. So Mike. Maybe just keep it to yourself. Like you got five, you he he was the uh, executive vice president of player personnel or something in Denver. It didn't go so good. Stop, just stop. It, it, Thanks, it worked Jeff. out well when he when he when he inherited. Yeah, hey, no problem. It worked out well for him when, when he, he inherited John Elway, though. Yeah, and Steve Young. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Kyle can inherit that. He's got probably got a, a big inheritance coming his way, but I don't know if he can get a quarterback. That's right. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. I'll see you tomorrow on the Cone Phone, 10 a.m. Pacific. Be there.